0: so incredibly filled up for this incredible missions conference amen what an amazing 2016 european missions conference we had you know april and i are so grateful that we're here we're so grateful for the london church for the band for uh, the singers for everything going on but we're especially grateful for michael and michelle williamson who have done just an incredible job in the tireless effort that they have put in and thank you for the brothers and sisters here in London for making us feel so welcome. I thank Sean the Baptist who kind of has helped us all along the way. But definitely for James and Georgia Morgan who opened up their home to us uh, and fed us pork. It's, uh, it's been such an inspiring conference. you know. To uh, I'll explain that later those who know about the Middle East. Uh, but it's great to be with the Young Brothers too to see these young, the, the Colby's and the Colton's and the Anthony's and the and, and the Jason's of the world, to know that we're in good hands the older we get. And when I spend time with these guys, I feel so relatable uh, because I feel like I can totally relate to their dads. But uh, it, is, uh, it is great. I, I do bring greetings from the Dubai International Christian Church. And it is the 11th Crown of Church, Church Planting, Crown of Thorns Church Planting, Dubai, this amazing metropolitan city in the Middle East that we pray will be a springboard to the other 17 countries of the United Arab Emirates in the Middle East. Amen. Uh, as Kip said, we're now in our sixth week, and it has been amazing. We had seven Americans uh, that came over with us. They're in, in a great testimony about living by faith as well. And we met a, a, an amazing Filipino sister and an amazing Indian sister over there. We were nine. And uh, Kip and Elena joined us and had 56 in our inaugural service. Uh, which uh, kind of exposed my lack of faith there. When uh, I think two minutes before the service, I think we had three visitors. And uh, it was just God. God just opened the floodgates as soon as the elevator came. in. there came all our visitors. Amen. Thank God. But in a little over a month, we have already added five new disciples and four children. And uh, we actually had remnant people waiting there for us. It was amazing. We had this couple, Praveen and Angel, uh, who were actually rang us up on Facebook Messenger and said, I want to meet with you. I thought, wow, that's great. Where, where are you at? He says, I'm, I'm literally here in Dubai. You're in Dubai? And uh, ended up coming down. We, we shed some tears. We spent almost till two in the morning. And he said, we've been waiting for you. We've been praying for you. We've been getting the good news emails for like three years. We've been talking to people. And it was amazing because Praveen and Angel have been so incredible. And they're now your brother and sister in Christ here in the International Christian Church. we got Gina De La Pena. If you know Gina, it's an amazing Filipino sister who, who literally came over and, uh, and literally was living in Sharjah, which is about uh, I guess, a two-hour drive and was riding the bus in to to strengthen the church. And uh, it's been amazing to see Gina. She goes through what we call the Sahara Desert, 40 minutes of walking through the desert. To see what this woman has done will definitely inspire your faith this morning. We have Dan and Anna. We have Jamal. We have Jobert. We have Brian and Eunice. Guys, we have a truly all-international church. That's amazing. And we're going to see a few more additions in the coming weeks including our first few baptisms. And again, we thank God for your love and for your prayers and for your support. We love what you guys have done for us. Turn your Bibles over to Luke chapter 18. Let's get into the scriptures this morning. Let's get our bearings straight for the lesson this morning. Now, the Bible says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That means if you can see it, it's not faith. Paul says we live by faith, not by sight. He also says the righteous will live by faith. Faith is in the Bible over 440 times. And since uh, we're going to be talking about this topic this morning, and as we have this whole conference, let me just go ahead and throw it out there. How is your faith this morning? Because if Hebrews 11:6 is true, without faith it is impossible to please God. And since we want to please God, we want to talk about faith this morning. And the title of my lesson, and this, and this whole EMC, is Living By faith When people fall away from God They fall away from God Because they've lost their faith When we fall into sin We sin because our faith Is weak When we get aggravated And begin to grumble and complain We do so because our faith Is weak And when our faith is weak We move from standing on the promises To sitting on the premises Complaining It seems as though sometimes our faith is just too easy to lose. We lose our faith sometimes like we lose our car keys. Based on the number in this audience today, I guarantee we probably have some here that are inactive in his or her faith. It's possible some here have stopped sharing their faith. Stopped talking about faith. Some have even stopped talking about asking about each other's faith. And some even fail to realize that some of the things you're doing right now are destroying your faith. And so this conference is designed to revive our faith and to pump blood back in our face so we can wake up again spiritually. Amen. You know, there's something about people who live by faith that just inspire you. I love the people who live by faith. One thing I've learned is that people who have great faith, faith is so contagious. And I love that. People that just are always saying, let's go for more. Let's do it. Let's get out there and go for it. We can do it. And how many of us are that kind of person this morning that literally says, no matter what goes wrong in my life, no matter what seemingly is off or going wrong and the challenges I face, I still believe what Job says. I know that my Redeemer lives and in the end will stand upon the earth. Are you with me this morning? Do you have that kind of faith this morning? Because if you don't, You are not honoring the God that we worship Because that's the God that we serve Luke 18 verse 1 Then Jesus told the disciples a parable To show them that they should always pray And not give up He said in a certain town there was a judge Who neither feared God nor cared about men And there was a widow in that town Who kept coming to him with the plea Grant me justice from my adversary For some time he refused But finally he said to himself Even though I don't fear God Or care about men Yet because this widow keeps bothering me I will see that she gets justice So that she won't eventually wear me out With her coming That's amazing Many of us get worn out with going But the goal is to wear the other person out with our coming You know, you're always coming to God. You're always requesting God and asking God and begging God and pleading with God and saying, please make a difference with my life. But when you don't have faith, you're just wearing yourself out. Verse six, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? One of my favorite passages on faith in the Bible. When you're reading the scriptures, you see God commending people who are faithful time and time again. He doesn't commend them for their job title. You don't see him commending them for their salary or for their good looks, for who they know, for how popular they are, or what degree they have. But what you see in the Bible time and time again is God lifting up people who believe in him. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. I love that Michael has picked uh, Romans as the book. And uh, gosh, it's such a great faith-building book. And Romans 1 verse 8 is such a great passage. Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. See, many of us want to be famous, but we don't want to be faithful. We want people to say nice things about us. But we don't want to have the faith to go with it. But faith is what really gets God fired up. I love that people of faith are so contagious. But you know what else I've discovered? Lack of faith is also contagious. And it spreads even through a church. You can be a great speaker. But without faith, you're just a person that takes a lot of time to say nothing. Nothing. You can have a great intellectual mind, but without faith, you're just someone smart telling us all of our problems. You can have great beauty and you can have great looks, but without faith, you just have a sign around you that says nothing inside, nothingness, walking around advertising nothingness because you don't have the faith to go with it. You can be an incredible leader with all the talents to lead, but without faith, you just annoy people like a clanging gong and a clanging cymbal. Your job and my job is to believe. And when you believe, that's when God says your faith will be reported all over the world. In First Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul told the Thessalonians, you become a model to all the believers. He says, your faith in God is being reported everywhere. Isn't that amazing? He says, your faith in God has become known everywhere. What kind of report is being made about us this very morning, about our faith? How many of us would be commended by God for being faithful to him? If God came in today and started handing out faith awards, would you get one? Do you really have that believing faith that energizes the fellowship and strengthens us? And we have great examples of faith right here in this very room. I think Michael and Michelle Williamson are great examples of faith. I love these guys tremendously. Every time I hear about the London Church of the church, Christian Church, every time I see it for myself, I Corey Blackwell and I were just here a few months ago, I see the fruit of their faith. And it's amazing looking at this auditorium how God is doing incredible things because of their faith. They're incredibly faithful people, and I love them dearly. I think of the Turner sisters. Where's Leanne and Sharina? Wow. I love following them. I'm living vicariously through their Facebook. They're always faithful. They're always encouraging. They're always smiling. They're always serving. They're always looking for ways to lift each other up. I love the Turner sisters because of the great faith that they have so dearly. I think Kip and Elena are great examples of faith. I was thinking about that, and I thought, it's their deep faith that helps them to have deep love and deep belief in other people. That's why I think they are great spiritual friends and great spiritual parents to so many of us, because they have great faith. Faith that can be imitated. Kip's friendship to me, and I'll talk about this later in my sermon, is it was just at the right time, as Carlos Mejia says, when I was on my way down. Meant the world to me, and his friendship may have determined where I spend eternity. Now, I love being married to April. I just want to get that out of the way, get that out of the way right now. God knows how much I love Beepo. And, um, and guys, how about that for being your faith being rewarded? Amen. Single brothers, older, mature single brothers. But we've been uh, married over a year and a half now, and we, we may be the, the kingdom's first all-generations marriage. That's pretty cool. My, my only regret is that April and I won't grow old together, but otherwise, everything's really good. Wait for it. <laughs> wow. But April is such a great example of faith. She's a tremendously faithful woman. And God has done incredible things through her life and in her life because of her faith. I believe that April is God's modern day Esther. Not just because she's the most beautiful woman in my kingdom. The queen of my little empire. But April has this heart condition which I can barely understand. I don't understand that I'm otherwise healthy. Uh, When I met April, she had this, uh, I think it was like an electric pacemaker. Every time she would sneeze, my garage door would open. It was really weird. I'm like, I don't even understand that. But literally, I watched this woman take some 20 pills every day just so she can live and sometimes just so she can even walk. And by the way, April carries herself. You'd never know it because of the way she conducts herself. No one ever know unless she told you. And yet I think she lives and personifies and embodies Esther. If I perish, I perish. And on top of all that, she, she travels and follows me to the Middle East. And she's determined to tell people about Jesus Christ, which if you don't know about the Middle East, they don't get too fired up about that. But it's amazing watching this woman live and, and come to that conviction that if I perish, I perish You know, her mom uh, started to be very concerned when we got closer and closer to the mission field. And she concluded that April's not taking her health very seriously. And and April was actually hospitalized earlier this year. And her mom decided what a great opportunity to take her, her sisters, and her sister-in-law and stage an intervention right there in April's hospital room. And I got to be witness to it. It was really cool. And it was amazing because... They, they really tried to convince April that she had a death wish, that she didn't care about her life. And I watched April confront two very different choices in her life. Either she was going to play it comfortable, she was going to continue living in the comfort of Los Angeles where she was living, close to her doctors, close to her family, and please everyone around her, or she was going to give up her life as a living sacrifice using whatever time she had left to make a difference in this world. And that choice for April was very easy. Now, she was loving with her mom, don't get me wrong, but she was also very firm. She told her mom, literally, if I die, I want to die telling people about Jesus Christ. I don't want to be sitting here in in comfort doing it. I'm not going to hide and I'm not going to live simply for my protection or for my comfort. That is not why God called me. He called me to make a difference. And when God calls you to make a difference, you very may well be asked to give up your life. And this was incredible when she tells her mom that. You could see lights going out on in her mom's mind. And and amazingly, once April stuck to that, and and, and her mom saw April's faith and determination and where it was coming from. And she was reassured that April indeed was going to try to take care of herself. Her mom's own faith was revived. And it was really cool that during our journey to the Middle East, April's mom started her journey back to God. And on the very day we flew back, flew from Chicago to the Middle East, April's mom, after 17 years of being a fall away, came back to God and was restored as your sister in Christ. Robin is now your sister in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. I truly believe that April wavered on her faith. Had she backed down and gone for the comfort and watered it down, her faith would have been diminished, and I believe her mom would not have found her way back to restore her relationship with Jesus Christ. Philemon chapter 1. Another great passage about faith. In verse 4, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. When you stop being active and sharing your faith, you're going to get negative about being Christian. Show me a person who stopped reaching out to people. Stop telling people the good news about Jesus Christ. Stop studying the Bible. Show me a person who's not involved with non-disciples to help them become Christians. Not building relationships. Not sharing others about the most valuable thing that is in their life and that is Jesus Christ and I'll show you a person who's going to stop praying, they're going to stop believing, they're going to stop studying the Bible on their own and pretty soon they're going to decay and get consumed with negativity and they're going to leave the Lord. And you say, well, R.D. Because that's my name. How are you such an expert all of a sudden on faith? I'm glad you asked. Because I once had no faith. Zero faith. And then I came to a saving, believing faith in Jesus Christ that got me baptized 24 years ago. That's that's pretty good, right? Then after becoming a disciple and living as a disciple and, and, and preaching, going all over the world, I lost my faith. I became so overly confident in who I was, and I missed all the warning signs that I literally lost my faith. I quit. Pure and simple, I quit. And I hurt more than just me. I hurt many people in God's kingdom. Some are actually in this room today because I just walked out. I stopped reading my Bible every day. I stopped praying every day. I grew increasingly frustrated because I no longer combined what I was reading and what I was praying for with faith. I stopped believing that God was going to answer my prayers. And I stopped reading the Bible as if I were going to be able to obey it. And you know what Jeremiah 17 says about that? Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on his flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That's really what it's all about. You know what? When you don't have faith, you're just relying on yourself. You got to make it happen. You got to make it all, get it all done. And anytime you don't don't go, God, I know it's your job. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to take care of me, and I know my job is just believing. You don't have faith. I like John chapter 6. These Greek men come up to Jesus, and they ask a very good question. They say, what, what must we do to do the work that God requires? Wouldn't you say that's a pretty good question? If you could ask Jesus a question, hey, what do I got to do? To do the, the work that God requires. Jesus said, the work of God is this. To believe in the one in whom he has sent. That's my job. That's your job. To believe in God. That's the work we're called to do. So is believing in God your top priority in your life? Just believing in God. Let's look over at James chapter 2. I only have three points this morning. And one of them, believe it or not, is having a title or a position protects your faith. That is not one of my points. I learned that the hard way. Point number one, deeds revive your faith. You know, Martin Luther, founder of the Lutheran Church, he cut the book of James out of his Bible because he believed that faith was what saved you and that he did not believe in deeds. He literally thought that deeds put a burden on the Christian. Today, many people call a church who asks their people to do something a deeds-oriented church, Right? And sometimes we can listen to that and we can think, wait a minute, you think you're saved by works. They put pressure on you. They expect too much. From you. Maybe it's not the right church for you because I feel pressure. You know what? You're going to feel pressure living in this life. It don't matter if you're in church or not. You're going to feel pressure. That's just the way life is. The question is, is what are you going to feel pressure for? You know, I, I feel pressure. And I look at this as deeds make you feel pressure because you're doing something. You know, think about when you were watching the Olympics. You know, the Olympics. I love the Olympics. And, and you see these guys. You didn't feel the pressure, but the athletes did. You know, the, what's the difference? Because they were they were playing and competing and you were watching. And I look at that. People watching never feel pressure. <laughs> get those athletes up to the starting line, they're about to run, and and do you feel pressure? No. Excitement, maybe. Yeah, maybe some adrenaline stuff, but you don't feel pressure. But the athletes, yes, they feel pressure because they're racing. You know, I think about that. A lot of people just, they look at our church and say, they put too much pressure on the disciples. That's because they're watching. When you're watching, then you can complain. (laughs) I think, look, Anybody who's got time to analyze how much pressure others feel, they're just around watching. They're not living it. And how can you know and begin to know the pressure that I feel if you're not living the life I'm living? Pressure. Listen, we are not going to win this world by being a bunch of spectators that are not living by faith. You know what? I think there are a lot of pressure in the Bible. I look at pressure in the Bible. You look at Psalm 38. There's the pressure. of. David talks about the pressure of sin. Your back starts hurting, your body starts feeling weak, you start feeling nauseous. That's the pressure of sin. When Jesus prayed in the garden, the Bible says he was sweating even to drops of blood because he was under pressure. There's a pressure of God not giving you what you want and you having to still believe and love him anyway. Pressure. How about when the Israelites were backed up against the Red Sea with the entire Egyptian army coming at them with Pharaoh? They felt pressure. Yeah, yeah. But that produced a faith, which then allowed God to come in and open up the sea. Deeds revive your faith. Verse 14, James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? That's a very important question. I don't think that's a little rhetorical question in the Bible. James implies that it is impossible to make it to heaven if our faith doesn't cause us to do anything. I look at that and I wrestle. In other words, if you won't share your faith, if you won't study the Bible, if you won't repent of your sins, sometimes that little faith that you have is not going to get you to heaven because you can't believe in God much when you don't preach and you don't pray and you don't produce. I didn't ask that question right there. Now, we're coming in to the colder months here in London. We don't have cold months in Dubai. That's why I can still wear my summer clothes. And if you're wondering, I have a suitable helper over there. and picked out my suit this morning. This is salmon, not pink. But sometimes you get into that winter slump. You know, you just want to be lazy and lethargic and lay on the couch and have some hot chocolate. get in that winter slump. You cool down. You sit there. But while we're relaxing our bodies, are we also relaxing our faith to God, our faithfulness to him? Can such faith save him? If we don't have deeds to back up our life and to back up our faith, we're just going to grow old and we're not going to make it to heaven. I have that conviction. Jesus said so many times, if you don't do something, you will never enter the kingdom of God or be his disciple. I always like that. The road to hell is paved with great intentions. Well, I'm planning on sharing my faith. I'm planning on getting open about my sin. You know, I'm I'm getting my schedule all worked out. So this fall, I'm going to start coming to church regularly. I'm planning on it. Planning on starting to study the Bible with people. Hey, I just bought a book on how to share my faith. And when I finish reading it, I'm going to. I just bought a great book on prayer. And when I finish that book, I'm going to start praying. We just procrastinate. When was the last time you went to one of the church leaders and you offered to help? Is there anything I can do to help? Can I stay at late? Can I clean up after chairs? I love that meme that says, "Called to the ministry. You can't even stay and help out with the chairs. When was the last time you said, let me help out with the church roster. Let me help out with the children's ministry. Let me stay after service to help clean up. Do you need me in a study? I'm free. Do you need a new usher? Do you need a song leader? I'm here to help. Because you want God to use your talents and your abilities to show that you have deeds to match your faith. We're not going to win the world looking at that chart by just sitting back and playing spectators. You say, well, that's really good for the young guys. No, no. I have reached a stage and an age where I can say, uh-uh. I'm now fitting. And so, I don't want to see any young guys saying you can't keep up. Oh. I was feeling pretty good about myself until Kip and Elena came to, the, came to Dubai, and I ch- chased him around Dubai for five days. He's oh, 10 years older than me. I'm like, wow, this guy has some stamina. I have no intention of wasting my life just because I'm getting old and just talking about the good old days. I don't want to do that. Uh-uh. That's not fake. Faith says, I'm going to show you what I'm doing now. There'll be a time later, probably in heaven, we sit around on a cloud and, you know, play some basketball and talk about what I used to do. As my dad used to say, what I used to could. I'm from Georgia. I said, Dad, did, did you ever play basketball? I used to could. And give me a chance, I might could again. Verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, it, if it is not accompanying my action, is dead. Show me a person that's not doing anything like Christ, and I'll show you someone who is dead spiritually. And you don't need a new discipleship partner. You don't need a new address, a new home. You don't need a new church. Oh, as soon as I have a new job, oh, as soon as I have a spouse, as soon as I have more money, then I'm going to do better spiritually. No, you won't. Jeremiah 12, 5b says it great. If you stumble in the thickets by the Jordan, how are you managed in safe country? There are too many of us who don't realize that you can change your environment. You can change your house. You can change your job. But that change does not change you. And the good news or the bad news is you go with you everywhere you go. And it doesn't matter how many books you've read, how many times you say, Lord, Lord, when it's all said and done, You have to believe in God. And then that belief has to be worked with our actions. Amen? And if you don't, you'll get discouraged in your Christian life because being a disciple calls us to live the life, not just to believe in the life. Amen? Number two, humility revives your faith. Humility revives your faith. Let's go to Matthew 15. I want to share something with you that really stuck out and shocked me when I was reading this passage. It's a passage that you rarely hear preached. Uh, You don't hear it much often. Uh, Many have trouble explaining this passage. It's an account we don't even like to read personally or publicly. But yet it's in the Bible and it's such a great story. Why? Because it makes us, it shows us a side of Jesus that makes us feel uncomfortable. Well, let's dig into it. Verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord! Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And that her daughter was healed at that very hour. Isn't that a great passage? Try doing a Bible talk on that. You'll thin out the crowd on that one. That's an incredible story. One, we see Jesus acting like his disciples would act. He gives them a living parable right there. Let me show you how you would treat this woman. But, but let's break down the story. She knows who she is. She knows who he is. And I like the way that she's persistent. I mean, she's quite brave if you think about it. She's brave. She, she approaches a rabbi from a region that's historically hostile towards her people. Falls at his knees. I and mean, she falls at his knees in, in really an utter sincerity. I mean, she doesn't come up and say, dude, heal my daughter. She literally calls him Lord three times. interesting, the only time that someone calls Jesus Lord in the Gospel of Mark. Calls him Lord three times. She doesn't just strut up and say, here, my daughter. In that case, we could understand, but she doesn't do that. So what are we to make of this? Instead, she says, Lord, have mercy on my daughter. My daughter is suffering. Help me. And it says that Jesus did not answer a word. What's going on here? Jesus is testing her humility. He's testing whether she's going to get down and get it all out. And nothing there. She kneels before him and says, Lord, help me, Lord. Jesus comes back. He says, hey, it's not right. Take the the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Jesus is seemingly, maybe he's prejudiced, maybe he's being rude, but again, he's testing her heart. She already had the faith to ask him. Jesus wanted to see if she had the right humility to make such a request. Children are the Jews, the dogs are the Gentiles. The bread is the salvation that Jesus was bringing. Dogs run clean in Judaism. And like Gentiles, they weren't even permitted inside Jewish homes. And so these Jewish people had these little pet names for people who weren't like them. One of them, dog. You're a dog. That's pretty challenging, right? I don't think this was any easier for Jesus than it was for this woman. Because, again, he's testing her heart. He's testing her humility. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. The Bible says, then, then the Lord honored her request. Lord, all I'm asking for here is a crumb. In light of all that leftover bread after feeding the 5,000, I just want a crumb. Just give me a crumb. She was willing to do anything to save her daughter. Any of those who had children who were sick. Parents out there know exactly what I'm talking about. I am even willing to be called a dog as long as I can receive God's blessing for my child. Now here's the turning point and here's the lesson. What's happening here is she's getting down to the depth of humility that's rock bottom. There's not a shred of pride left in this woman. She's got it all out. And that is when Jesus said, woman, You have great faith. You have great faith. Your request is granted. Not that you have great humility. Not that you have great boldness. Not even that you have a great heart. But you have great faith. Isn't that what we strive for? Isn't that what we're trying to do? Is to have great faith? A lot of times we just walk around. I'm not sure I believe in Jesus. I'm not sure I really believe in the Bible. I don't have faith that's strong enough in God. I just need more faith. You know, I just need to have more belief that God can change me. I just have belief that God can help me overcome this sin. That God can change others. That faith that God can get me out of here. More faith that God can really work in my situation. I need to have more faith that I can overcome the sin that keeps tripping me up. I just need to have more faith in the church. I just need to have more faith in God. and, And more faith in men. And more faith in this rule and that rule. More faith in this. More faith in that. You know what you may need? You may need more humility. Maybe if we had more humility, we would have greater faith. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you'll be able to say to this mountain, move, and it will move. And boy, did we learn a lot from Joe Willis's lesson the other day. Amen. It was amazing. After Joe's message on that, I think Anthony and I went over and started signing up for restoration studies. But do you want faith that can move mountains, that can climb mountains, and that can wither poor, innocent, defenseless fig trees? <laughs> Jesus said all you need is a faith of a mustard seed. You're like, it's pretty small. I'm sure my faith is more than bigger than that. Because we're prideful. See, the problem with little faith sometimes is a little humility. But if we would just humble ourselves... Really humble ourselves then we can have greater faith. And that's what some of us need this morning. Let me change that. That's what I need this morning. If we could just learn the secret how to be more humble I'm convinced we would have more faith. My scriptures say whoever humbles himself will be exalted and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. God used this woman's daughter to bring her to her knees. What's he using in your life? My final point. Faith keeps you from giving up and quitting. I'm still saddened that I left God once before. I don't know if that makes me an expert on faith. But I'm so grateful for the many mercies, the forgiveness, and the grace that God has heaped on me. much, And the way God used so many men to finally pull me back into this family, I call those guys faith builders. Like Colton and I were talking about earlier. Do you have five faith builders in your life that are going to catch you on the way down? That you're walking through life with? One of those men was Kip McKean. See, I know I hurt Kip years ago when the church split apart. And I don't think I ever really grasped it until last night. When I heard him speak so passionately About that time And and I realized That I might not have signed any letters against him But I know my silence was deafening I certainly pulled back My friendship from Kip Probably motivated mainly by keeping my ministry job How sad is that But I know this I kept quiet for far too long My last six years In our former fellowship I was personally discipled by Andy Fleming And Gordon Ferguson or as one brother said at this conference, that's a lot of poisoning. But years later, when I faced my worst faith crisis, and I left God, and I quit, and I walked away from the Lord, it was Kip. Despite my actions, despite how much, mo- he must have been hurt by what I had done. I still remember looking at him at, at the last conference I saw him at, in Seattle. And there was just that look. It's kind of like, you wonder how... Jesus looked at Peter. But he still loved me. And he gave his heart to me. And he breathed faith back into this whole soul. <laughs> I kept, I'm sorry, I've never apologized to you. Today. He helped me to see that what I faced and what I went through paled in comparison to what he went through. And sometimes, doesn't that make you feel better when you have somebody that had it far worse than you did? Well, Kim, this happened to me. Well, this happened to me times ten. Oh, okay, I feel a little bit better. There was once a man who was lost, and he fell into a hole, and he got stuck, and he couldn't get out. So he started yelling up, "Is someone up there that can help me?" frantic to get free. After a while of yelling, a doctor walks past. Can you help me? I'm stuck in this hole, and I can't get out. The doctor assesses the situation, looks down the hole, writes out a prescription, dumps it in the hole, and walks away. Frantically, the guy keeps calling. Can someone help me? I've fallen down in this hole, and I'm stuck. After a more frantic crying, a priest walks by. Looks down in the hole. Father, can you help me? I'm stuck down here. I need help. I can't get out on my own. The priest looks down, writes out a wonderful prayer, throws it down in the hole, and walks away. Then a friend walks by. He's exhausted from yelling, he's shouting, he's about ready to give up. Oh my friend, it's you. Please help me, I've fallen. I can't find my way out of here. Friend said absolutely. Then he jumped down the hole with him. The friend's like, you dummy. What are you doing? Now we're both down here in this hole together. We're stuck. But that friend in my life was named Kit McKean. And he said, R.D., I've been in this hole before, but I know the way out, and I'm going to help you. I may get hit. I may get knocked down. I may feel pain. I may feel fatigue, but I will never again quit. I may sin, I may fail. I may disappoint myself and others, but I'll keep righteousness as my goal, and I will never quit. I will seek the lost as long as there is breath in my body. I may be rejected, I may be hurt. My heart may be broken, but I will never quit. I may be persecuted, opposed, ridiculed, slandered, or ignored because of my faith but I will never quit. I will love my church and seek to make her great and strong. Difficulties may come. Satan may win some victories, but I will never quit. I will love my brothers and sisters. They will not always meet my expectations. They may need my forgiveness, and I'm going to need theirs. We may have to work long and hard to keep our relationships great, but I will never quit. Life may surprise me with illness, with death, with injury, with depression. I may reel and I may stagger, but I will never quit. My arms may weaken. My legs may ache and burn when I run. My eyes may grow dim, but I will never quit. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I will be a disciple of Jesus Christ as long as I have left. I will fight the good fight of faith until I have nothing left. I will run until I have finished the race. I will never quit. The lion may roar. The enemies may shout. The world may shake. The storms may come. The floods may rise. But I will never quit. Brothers and sisters, I have a challenge for you. Because you really can't have a decent sermon without a challenge. What type of faith are you going to have when you walk out that door this morning? Will you have a wavering faith? Romans 4:16, a faith that doubts and questions all the time. How about a forgetful faith, a James 1, faith, that looks in the mirror and walks away and forget what she looks like? How about a weary faith, Galatians 6, 9. When things don't go your way, instead of not growing weary and waiting for God to bless, you get tired, you quit praying, you quit trying, and you quit expecting. That's one of the worst places you can get to spiritually is when you stop believing in miracles. Well, are you going to have a shipwrecked faith you shipwreck your faith by doubting God. You doubt his word. You start questioning everything around you, doubting everything and falling for anything. Well, you have a disobedient faith. Romans one five To call people to the obedience that comes from faith. Just simply someone who's disobedient to what God says. Having too much faith in ourselves and not enough faith in God. A disobedient faith. And the more disobedient we are, the more self-reliant we get and the further we drift from God. Will you have a dead faith? Like we just read here. Our faith needs to be active. It needs to be alive. It needs to be put into practice. That's great faith. Active faith doesn't get down. It doesn't quit when things don't go right. It keeps you growing. It keeps you believing. It keeps making you stronger. Or finally, will you have a saving faith A faith that can save your soul. A faith that doesn't quit. Genesis 5.24 and we'll end there. It got really quiet in here. That usually only means one or two things. (laughs) But I want to end with Genesis 5.24 because it's one of the most inspiring verses in the scriptures for me. Everybody there? Enoch Walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. 14 words. Small words. That's it. Enoch walked with God faithfully. And then God took him away. Living by faith. Today, that really is our challenge. That every single day of our lives, we walk faithfully with our God. And then we soar into heaven. You know, one day, we, we won't need faith. We sing that song, Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight. One day, we'll be, we'll be with God. We won't need faith, but right now, we need faith. That's right. But this is what I want said about me when I'm finished this race. R.D. walked with God faithfully. And then one day, God took him home. I could just see God, you walking with God, and God just saying, you know, R.D., We've been walking together a long time in this life. And now we're we're pretty far from your home. We're, we're actually closer to mine. Why don't you just come and stay in my home forever? When Jesus returns, will he find you living by faith? God bless. I love you, London.